0: Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Uh, I want to continue our series on the master plan of God. We'll be reading in Acts 2, beginning in verse 42, the master plan of God. What are we talking about? Well, uh, we're just looking at the beginning of the church so powerful. I want to make sure we understand that sometimes I think we just read through the Bible. It's kind of like maybe to some people it's just a storybook. No, this is the actual account of how the church began. Is that amazing? We get to see how the church began. But I want you to make sure we get the, the, the power, the dynamic of this. Think of this. Uh, when the church began, uh, every single person who was saved on the day of Pentecost... 120 in the upper room, and then 3,000 at the altar call. These men and women had never been to church because they'd never been to church. There were no rules. There were no guidelines. There was no teaching. There was no, once you're saved, do this, then you should do that, and this is how church should go, and this is what Christians do. None of that. So what we're reading here was the response of people who had encountered the presence of God. What I'm excited about is right now at Calvary, we're definitely encountering a brand new level of the presence of God. Can somebody say amen to that? We, so, so what's exciting is this. We have the opportunity, and we're encountering God like they encountered God. And what it did for them, we, we have the joy of knowing God can do this same thing for us. Here's just my simple way of looking at things. If this is how God designed the church, then I don't think we can improve upon it. Would anybody say amen to that? Okay, if this is what God did, I think He continues to do the same thing. Amen? If this is what happened, this was the natural, organic response to people who've encountered God. What did their life look like? What became important to them? How did the church look? How did the church function? Again, I want to say this. I don't think we need to re, uh, reintroduce the church. I don't think we need to uh, reform the church. We just need to rediscover what God did originally and live that out in our life. I believe the same God will do the same thing today. Anybody say amen to that? So we're, we're, we're following along. This is his master plan. Let's, let's study this. We've been doing this. Let's, let's see what we're finding out. Uh, let, follow along with me. I want to read again this basic passage this was the immediate response on the very first day anyone who was ever born again anyone was saved anyone filled with the holy spirit this is what the life of the church looked like okay so let's read verse 42 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer why did they devote themselves to that did somebody tell them they should do that Was that something that had been a church tradition? No. This was their response to the presence of God. When someone encounters God, this is what it does in their lives. And the same for the church today. Now look at verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Let me stop there for a moment. Guys, I have to say, something has shifted in the response of our culture and how they view the church and how the culture of that day viewed these brand new Christians. Look at this. The Bible says in verse 47, they were praising God and enjoyed the favor of whom? Who does it say they enjoyed the favor of whom? All the people. Saved and unsaved. I want you to see something. There was something about this, guys. I, I, I pray this grips us deep inside. I pray it fuels our faith and fires our passion. And encourages us to go on for God. You see, this church was so real. It was such a radical change from the culture around them that as these people watched this, and what were the distinguishing qualities? They so loved God, okay, and they so loved each other that the people who watched them, even the unbelievers said, these are the real deal. These people are for real. This is legitimate. I don't know their theology. I don't know all about them. This is brand new. No one's ever seen this before, but I can tell you this. We like them. They had favor. They had respect. I remember I told a man one time, and I I hope it doesn't come to this, and I wasn't being arrogant. I was being truthful with him. He was trying to battle me on some things, you know, and argue and debate. I said, look, let me tell you something. Let me bottom line it with you right now. I said, I would rather you hate me and respect me than love me and not respect me. I said, "So, so if you want to know where I am in my relationship with you, that's where I am. So that, that's more important to me. And, and, and what we find out, they didn't understand this church. In fact, we're going to see some people hated them. But the Bible says everyone looked on them with favor. I believe that God wants to do something in the church in America today. Come on, everybody with me? That, this, that, that, that is being somewhat disregarded on every level. I pray that you and I so encounter the presence of God. Anybody with me right now? I'm not preaching church. I'm talking about relationship right now. You with me? I pray we so encounter God, that we so carry the presence of God, that we love Him so purely, and that we love each other as a result of that, and that we love the people even that don't understand us, that someone will have to say, those people are legitimate. I'm going to look on them with favor. I respect what we're doing. I believe that's what's going to turn this nation around. A church that's really the church, people that love God, people that carry His presence, where even the unbelievers say, I may not agree with them, but those guys are real. How many can say amen to that? So, so thank you for those three people. Let me try one more time. How many can say amen to that today? That's who we are. That's better. I knew you felt that way. You just didn't say it. So, so look at this last, this, this last line. Listen, this is the bottom line every time for God. Are you hearing me? This is always God's bottom line, always. It is the end result of everything else he does. Are you with me? Look at it. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. The Lord added to their number daily. You know what Jesus is always about? Saving lost people. You know what is the heart of God? Lost people being saved. Do you know that God's not against anybody on this planet right now? He's for them to be saved. God loves you. He may not love your behavior. He may not love what you're doing, but He loves you. Is everybody with me right now? Do you know that God can love you and disagree with you? How many have a good mother? (laughs) Did your mother agree with you with everything you ever did? Did your mom ever give you a good old whipping? Did your mom ever do that to you? She did that because she loved you. Did your mom love you while she was spanking you? If she hadn't cared about you, she wouldn't spank you. Now, aren't you thankful God doesn't spank us? Woo, glory. But you know he can love you even when he disagrees with your behavior. See, that's the love of God. He loves us even if he doesn't condone what we do. He loves us. And if we will allow him, he'll save us. The bottom line of God, he wants to save this world that we're living in. So I've been preaching through these verses. I want to focus on verses 44... And 45 today now I may come back and I probably will we're going to work through some of these basic core values, but we're, I've been teaching you down through this So we're at verse 44. Let's look at this today. This is something that's dramatic. This is something that's dynamic. Let's look at this verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. All the believers were together. Now I can't I can't pause on every phrase, but I, I want you to grasp that all the believers were together. In this sense, in this context, he's not talking about physically in the same room. Now, they did that a lot. But that's not what this is talking about. He's talking about they were together in attitude. They were together in spirit. They were together in unity. They were one people. All the believers were together. How many of the believers were together? All the believers together. Let me show you how radical that is. Let me make sure you and I understand how powerful That statement is, and why it resulted in such impact on the culture around them, okay? I want you to turn back. We'll be right here, but turn back earlier in chapter 2, and I want you to see who all these people were. Do you remember the church began on the day of Pentecost? Jews had come from almost every known nation of the world on a pilgrimage to worship God in Jerusalem on the Feast of Pentecost. Now, when the Bible says, I want you to get this, this flies in the face of what culture tells us we can be and do today. When the Bible says they were together. Had everything in common. You need to make sure you understand that statement. So who were these people that were all together? Where did they come from? Were they all the same people from the same neighborhood? Same last name? Let's look at this. Look at verse 7 of Acts 2. I want you to see this. Is it up or good? Okay. I want you to get this. Utterly amazed... They ask, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Now, where were they from? Look at verse 9. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Do you understand what we just read? Do you see that that worldwide gathering of people? Do you know what we're looking at? Red and yellow, black and white? Do we understand languages that were different, customs that were different? clothing that was different, languages, ethnicity, everything different you can imagine. And something happened to that diverse gathering of people. And before we're at the end of the chapter, they are now in a lifestyle. Someone say lifestyle. That has put them together. And the Bible says all these people from all these backgrounds, from all these cultures, with all these religious groupings, are together. Can I tell you something? There is nothing that man can do. There is nothing man can design that is going to bring this divided fractured, dysfunctional nation together again, but the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when Jesus becomes Lord and the Holy Spirit is outpoured, come on, anybody with me now, I believe God can do something in this nation. There, listen, I don't want to discourage you because I'm going to vote. I'm going to be involved in a process. Listen, people ask me, Pastor, how do you vote? I don't vote personalities. I I vote policies. Relax, it's not time to vote on anything, so everybody chill out, all right? But what, how do you vote, Pastor? Well, I, I don't really care about the personalities, because most of the time I'm voting for the lesser of two evils, all right. All right. All right. which is sad to say we need more Christians in politics, tell the truth. We need some people that are called, not some people that are trying to make a buck. Okay, so anyway, so, 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 so I'm not looking at personalities, I'm going to try to, what do you stand for? What are you going to do when you get in this office? I don't care what you look like. I don't care who your mama was. I want to know what are you going to do. So I don't look at your personality. I look at your policies. That's another story for another time. You can pray about that. Listen to me. Here's what I want to say. I had to say that to say this. We're never going to elect a president who's going to bring revival to this nation. We're not going to have this nation healed by a political vote, by an action, by what somebody else is doing. This nation is not going to be restored to the glory God wants it to have until we understand... Only an encounter with the presence of Almighty God will take the diversity of people from around this world with nothing in common and put them together and I read that they had everything in common. It's almost... Do you understand that? If you look on the surface, they don't have anything in common. But they meet Jesus, they encounter the power of God and suddenly here's a group of people and when you look at them, man, we're together. Racially. Ethnic, with eth- ethnicity no matter what you look at i want to tell you today we can get together if we come together in the name of jesus anybody agree with me today so let's look so so what happened verses 44 and 45 we're looking at today all the believers were together and had everything in common wow now look at verse 45 first of all i want you to relax take a deep breath let it out we're not going to talk about selling your stuff today okay so everything's good But I want you to understand what we're reading here. Everybody okay? All right. So what did they do? They, they were together. They were so together. There were, something had happened to them. Had everything in common. Look at this. Selling their possessions and their goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. What happened to these people? What, what, what is that a description of? What had taken place? This, this group of diverse individuals from every background you can imagine, have been thrown together in an encounter with God. And as this relationship with God began to work through their life, something began to happen, listen to me, that wasn't man-made. Amen. There was something that began to permeate and bubble up and become their culture and their DNA. And it's called generosity. There began to be a generosity that was not man-driven or man-explained. It was God-released. Is everybody with me in this room right now? Can I tell you something? This kind of generosity is not going to come from the will of a man. It comes from meeting the heart of God. Generosity that we're reading about here is not something that I do on a Sunday. It's my lifestyle because I've encountered the heart of God. Everybody with me? We're not generous by our fallen nature. Let me, let me help you with this. I'll quickly, just a little illustration. Let's take our beautiful, wonderful little children. And, and if they're grandchildren, then they're even like angels that came to earth and God gave them to us. Okay, So, so you've got, you got your little children. And, you know, they're, let's say they get to about two years old. and They haven't gone to school yet. You know, they're, they're two. And, 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 and you bring them to Calvary with you. They go in the Calvary Children's Ministry got these anointed teachers in there, and kind of loving people, you're in there worshiping God, and they're in there, probably the first kind of group thing they've been in, you know and and they're beautiful, and they're yours, and you know they're, you you know, you know that God put them on earth. It's like he said, "Look at this, this is the greatest child that's ever been created out of twenty eight billion there's yours is the best. you know how that goes. there they are and and then and so the, for the first time, there were these other little boys and girls and and then this thing happens. See, and, and, and they're playing with their toys. And they hadn't had to play with other people with their toys. And somebody wants their toy, and didn't this word, mine, comes out of their mouth. I've thought about that. Who teaches that? I've, I know a lot of families I've been around. I've never heard anybody get their child and say, listen, look at, look at my mouth. Say, mine, mine. You say, say, Daddy, say, Mama, don't we do that? You know what I mean? You, you, you teach them all this stuff. And, 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 but here, where does this come from? They're that big. Mine. And, and you're like, good grief. And so we go, well, wh- where did that come from? Well, you haven't you hadn't been doing that. Where, where, who taught them that? And so you go to pick them up, and, and the teacher said, you know, um, uh, little Sally, um, well, I don't. I hate to tell you, you know, she, she was playing with her doll, and, and, and little Judy came over and Sally whacked Judy on the head with, their, with Barbie and, and so I, 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 I thought I had to tell you. And so the wife looks at her husband and says, well, that was from your side of the family. Because nobody wants to claim that. You know, like, who did that? Where did that come from? And if the husband's smart, he looks at his wife and he doesn't say a thing. But he's thinking, she probably got it from your mother, but you don't say that. Smart people don't say that because you would like to go home and not eat lunch in the doghouse. Right, okay. So here's what happened. None of us want to say, mine came from us, but they're our kids. That's where did it come from. We're not generous by our human nature. From that tall, mine. Adam and Eve, come on, guys. You have the whole stinking garden. More fruit than you could eat in 38 lifetimes. Why did you have to go over there and eat that stuff? Because it's mine. That's what it is. Because Adam and Eve looked at God and said, You're not the boss of me. We're not generous by human nature. Now, for your own kids and grandkids, come on. You'll give them the world. But let somebody else's grandkid come in on your grandkid. Mm. Come on, tell the truth. With your grandkid, you're Santa Claus. With their grandkid, you're a Till of the Hunt. Tell the truth. I'm telling you, tell the truth. So, what happens to us? This generous thing. Guys, I want you to get this. This isn't a pep talk. I'm not going to take an offering today after this. There's no hidden agenda. I'm telling you. That when we look at the Word of God, when men and women meet Christ and encounter the presence of God, there's a transformation in our lives. Can somebody say amen to that? There is a transformation. God begins to put His heart in us. Can you say thank God for that? We begin to act like He acts. We begin to love like He loved. We begin to do something other people haven't done. Stay with me. Watch me. Look at me. See, what happens is God begins to change our hearts from the inside out. Being a Christian isn't I've got to follow the regulation. It's I've met the living God and he's changing me. Can you say amen to that? It's from the inside out. God's making a difference. These people loved God, loved each other, and, and the bottom line for them became the same thing of God's heart. I want to see people say they were so transformed it changed everything around me. Listen, it's not what we hear today from, from people attacking Christianity and, and, and the goodness of God that's working in the church. It's not about battling for converts. We're not trying to make converts from another religion we're not trying to prove that america's greater we don't own the gospel somebody hear what i just said we don't own the gospel what are we doing we have encountered the goodness of god we have been transformed by the greatness of god our sins have been forgiven anybody want to say amen for that our hope has been restored. Deliverance has come in our life. We have joy again. We have peace. Listen, and not out of ourselves, but because of God, we begin to realize this is too good to keep to myself. Amen. It's who we become. We begin to be generous. Oh, I don't mean you're perfect. How many are still growing? Come on, tell the truth. <laughs> okay, hey, listen. Two of the greatest things that ever happened. Let's say it. Listen to me. You ready? Listen to this. One of the greatest statements ever said, God loves us enough to save us, how? Just like we are. How many thankful for that statement? He loves us enough to save us, just come. I love this second one. He loves us too much to leave us like that. Hallelujah. Come on, say that. You ought to say amen because you're thinking about your husband or your wife right now. There's hope. Come on, say amen. Yes, say amen. See, God's not through with us yet, amen? He's not through with us yet, but along the way, his heart's becoming our heart. We're beginning to be generous. We look at things differently. We look at our stuff differently. We look at our time differently. We look at our talents differently. We begin to realize, God gave me this talent. We begin to realize, God blessed me with this stuff. We begin to realize that other people matter to us. The word compassion, listen, means I feel what you feel. You know the only way you feel what another person feels is if you, that person matters to you. You know, you know the only reason you care about another person because their life matters to you. You know why somebody begins to matter to you besides yourself? You've met the heart of God. You've encountered God. The master plan's unfolding in your life, and you're beginning to move forward. It's an incredible thing. We are saying we love God too much. This is too good to keep this to ourselves. Now, let me help you real quickly. So what happened? The Bible says the whole city began to look at them with favor. Do you realize that the population of Jerusalem at this time was not even 100,000 people? Do you realize that in a matter of weeks, 6,000, 8,000, 10,000 people had gotten saved? Can you imagine if God began to move right now and one out of every 10 people in North Alabama had gotten saved in the last 30 days? Come on. Can you imagine what God could do? That's what the master plan did. That's what generosity did. That's what passion did. Hey, I'm in. Anybody in with me on this thing? Come on. We need to see this master plan. The city was being revolutionized. The heart of Judaism was being rocked by this Christian faith. So what did they do? Man, let's go to Acts 8. I want you to see this. The devil made a huge mistake in strategy. The devil underestimated God. The devil underestimated this new church. He made a big mistake. See, he had every Christian in the planet in one place. Have you ever thought about that? Every Christian on the planet lived in Jerusalem. Man, he could have surrounded them with every demon from hell. He could have just kept them there. Lay low, leave them alone. They're all right there. They're having the time of their life. They're eating together, breaking bread together, praying every day, going to the temple. This is awesome. Just be quiet. Just surround them. No, not the devil. What did he do? He's frightened. He's alarmed. The religious people don't know what to do. And so in Acts chapter 7, the first martyr, they stoned a man named Stephen to death. They killed him simply because they couldn't stop his faith. He was that big a threat to the enemy. So what happens? Watch this. Saul, who later became the great apostle Paul, he talked about transforming power. The devil's number one hit man became God's greatest preacher. Come on. Somebody praise God with me about that. Who's the biggest heathen you know in North Alabama? Don't yell their name out. Don't point either right now. Don't point him. <laughs> Who's the biggest heathen you know in North Alabama? Think you, you got any name? I meant this dude or this lady. I meant they're mean. They're nasty. They're, they, they, they hate God, hate church, hate you, hate me. Huh? Whoa. What happens when they get saved? Come on. You talk about rock the world. The devil said, man, we're in trouble. So watch this. So Saul's approving. Hit man's there. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were what? Scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And hang there a minute. So, you know, the devil thinks, got him now. Got him on the run. This is the end of this. It's over. They had a, little, had a little blip on the screen. And I'm back in charge again now. Right? He, he, he made a mistake. So let's go to the next verse. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Verse 3, Saul began to destroy the church. Man, what a word. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women, put them in prison. Surely, this is the end of it. But look... Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. They didn't go away. You think that'd be the end of it? Now he turned these regular folks into lean, mean preaching machines. Everywhere they went, he had them in one spot. Now he's going everywhere. Verse five. Philip. Philip wasn't an apostle. Come on, everybody that's a member or attendee of Calvary, raise your hand right now. If you're regular here at Calvary. Raise your hand. Put it up. Regular. You're regular. That's who Philip was, just like you. Come on, say, just like me. Say, come, say I'm, Philip. I'm Philip. Oh, say it again. Yes, you are. So what did he do? So Philip, they scattered. Philip went down to a city in Samaria. What did he do? Proclaim the Messiah there. You think these guys be hiding out? I mean, they're killing them and throwing them in prison in Jerusalem, and these guys escape. What would you think they'd do? Hide out, lay low, be quiet. They're preaching, preaching, preaching. Why? Because they've encountered God. Listen, anybody with me today? God just wasn't Sunday morning on their calendar. God was their life. They had encountered His presence, they had been transformed. They couldn't keep it to themselves. Their generosity and compassion captivated their lives. Now here's a guy. Now say it again. Say, I'm Philip. Philip. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. Come on, next verse. For his shrieks, this is just a nice way to say demons, impure spirits came out of many and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Verse 8. So there was what? Can I tell you something? Everybody fighting the gospel today, if they ever get a real dose of it, they'll start rejoicing with us. There's joy in the city. Why? Because everywhere, the generosity and compassion of God permeated their lives. Oh, this it, it, so, so what did they do? Watch this. I've got, I've got to hurry, hurry, hurry. So, so they began to see this. Wait a minute. It wasn't, at first, it wasn't a plan. It was just happening. They were being scattered out of Jerusalem. They were full of generosity. They cared about each other. They loved each other. They, they, they wanted people to be saved. But as they were going and telling their story, they were beginning to see, whoa, wait a minute. This gospel's for everybody. This is changing people's lives. This becomes what we do intentionally now. It was just an order. Now they say, we, we've got to do this. They begin to plan. They begin to be proactive. Let's go to Acts chapter 11. Come on, I've got to read through this quickly. I want you to see it. Look at the beginning of verse 19. See, this is just what's happening. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. They're just going back where they came from. You're right. There's just a flow. Watch this. What were they doing? Spreading the word only among Jews. In the beginning, they thought only Jews could be saved. They were all Jews. They thought only Jews could be saved. Look, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also. How many are thankful we were included? Come on, aren't you thankful that we're included? So what did they do? Telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Now watch what somebody tried to tell on them. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people... Believed and turned to the Lord. Keep reading. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. Stop here for a minute. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So word comes back to Jerusalem. Hey, there's some guys up there in Antioch preaching to Gentiles. What? Well, what happens? They're getting saved. You're kidding me. No. Barnabas, you go check it out. Bring us a report back. Isn't this amazing? These guys just, just do what comes. It's okay. Verse 23. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, the what grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all. Remain true, to the Lord, with all your heart. He's like, praise God, this is God. Now watch this. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. A great number of people were brought to the Lord. Come on. So he sees this. He says, okay, we, th- God's doing something here. So he went to Tarsus and he found Saul. He'd heard Saul he'd gotten saved. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church. And taught great numbers of people. Now look at this. I love this sentence. Have you ever read this? Thought about this? What we're called today is where it started. Right here. The disciples were called Christians first. Leave that up. At Antioch. Do you know until this moment. They had no name for the church. They didn't know what to call them. One place in the book of Acts. They just said they were following the way. They didn't have a name. But these people again. Non-Christians. Are you with me? Non-believers, no prior experience, watch these people. Brand new Christians in Antioch. They loved God so much. They loved each other so much. They loved lost people so much. They were generous. They were kind. They were anointed. They were powerful. They were like Jesus in Acts 10.38, who was anointed by God and went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And they kept watching these people and said, hey, you know what? These are Christ people. These are Jesus people. You know who these people are? They're Christians. They're Christ-like people. You know the word Christ was not Jesus' last name. Did you know that? His name wasn't Jesus Christ. Mary and Joseph weren't Mr. and Miss Christ. That's a title. You know what that means? Jesus Christ. Christ is the term Messiah. You know what that term means? The anointed one. Do you know what these non-believers looked at them and said, Ooh, These are anointed people. These are Christ-like ones. And they began to call them that. I would to God today. Come on, tell the truth. Tell the truth. I wish where we work and where we go to school... In the neighborhoods we live in, come on, anybody track it with me right now? If they didn't know who you we were or what we've done, my prayer is they begin to talk about you behind your back. Come on. Come on. Come on. They're going to talk about you one way or the other. Let's let them talk like this. That, that the neighbors get together and say, You know, uh, Mr. Uh, Mister, you know, Alfonso down here. Mm-hmm, yeah. Have you been looking at him lately? Mm-hmm. Well, he... Uh, you know... Uh, he, he 's not acting like that guy I went to college high school with no wait well, he, he's kind of like uh he's kind of like uh he prays you know and he talks about god and 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 but he 's not one of those old cranky you know aunt esther people he's like uh, you know what i 'm saying like he 's nice and if you need something, he helps you and and you know um um so like the people he prays for get healed it's weird and and uh, he, he, he just, what's he like? Well, it's kind of like um, like when I talk to him, God's there. It's sort of like the Holy Spirit, he's anointed. Like when Mr. Alfonso comes over, I feel like I'm at church. Really? Yeah. When did that happen? I don't know. Something happened to him. You know, he must be one of those anointed ones. And, 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 and there's little 10-year-old. Little, you know, Mary going to school. Those are old-fashioned names. Look, I'm older than you. I don't know what you call them now. To name you. Anyway, I couldn't name a kid today. You wouldn't like it. So, but you know, little Mary, little Mary is going to school and 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 the, and the teacher says, When she walks into class, something's different. She's kind to all these students. We had a special needs child, and Mary said, Could I sit with her? And her little friend fell down and fell off the now, now, listen, I know some of you look at me funny, but that's okay. I'd rather you look at me funny for this and look at me funny for something else, because you're going to look at me anyway, so it's okay. So so, so you know, the, the little boy fell off the monkey bars, and I promise you his arm was going like that. And Mary went over and prayed for him, and it was okay. She's kind of like, you know, I feel like I'm at church when she comes into class. She's one of those anointed ones. Anybody with me? These weren't the apostles. These were the church members. Amen. Come on, Amen. breathe deep. Come yeah. on, breathe. Look at this stuff. Man, look at verse 27. It just gets better. So, so during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem. Man, they just got started. And already they're rolling. Apostles, prophets, come on. So, so look, one of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. So he said, God, give me a word. A famine's coming. Why did God give him that word? Let's go to verse 29. The disciples, brand new believers in Antioch, are you with me? They just got saved. They're brand new. As each one was able, decided. They were not tricked, connived, coerced, guilted. Decided. Why? Because they're being transformed into generous people to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. Can you see that? What did they do? Oh, they're going to starve. Well, that's who sent the gospel to us. Well, let's send some money down there to these people. Nobody, there wasn't a class on how to help hurting people. They had compassion and generosity. Anybody with me right now? Nobody had to come in and say, let's crank this thing up. Let's give some sad pictures. Let's get pictures of, you know, let's do all this. Blah, 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 blah. They said, oh, there's a need. Come on, let's do it. People need help. Let's help them. Why are we doing it? I don't know. Who are these people? I don't know them. Do you know all this stuff I have people say to me today in America? I hear this all the time as we're doing stuff to help people. I've had somebody say, do you know those people? I said, I don't know them. Well, why are you sending them? Because they need it. Well, how do you know they need it? (laughs) Because they're in need. (laughs) Well, why don't you let them help themselves? Well, why don't these people do that? You know why? Because the generous heart of God was going on in their life. Because God's doing something in their life. Let me help you. Do you see what generosity does? Can somebody say amen? Do you see the master plan working? Do you see the compassion working? Do you see a generosity and compassion get together? What happens? People get help. People get saved. Nations get turned around. The kingdom of God grows. People that, were, that, that didn't know Jesus become instruments that he uses. It's not just one or two. It's the household of God. We do something here. Give me a few minutes and I'll, I'm going to wrap this up. We do something here called kingdom builders at Calvary. It is the master plan. What do we do because we've met God and he's changed our heart? Do you know what we say? We say we want everyone that doesn't know Jesus to know Jesus. Can somebody say amen to that? God has gotten our heart and intentionally, proactively, with his passion, we obediently say, God, we want to do our part. We want to make a difference. What is Kingdom Builders? It's where we pray. Once a year we do this, and then our, our gifts go throughout the year. We pray. We say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me involved in this? How do we generously respond to what's going on around the world? It's Kingdom Builders. This is what we do. Three things with Kingdom Builders. We do global missions. That starts with here and goes around the world. We, we enlarge the local church. This is the engine where it comes from. And we raise up new Christian leaders. That's what we do with Kingdom Builders. Can I give you a really good report in this last year, we started in October, so we'd go all the way through the end of this month. we got two Sundays left. Are you ready? You want to celebrate? Listen to this. What has God done with Kingdom Builders at Calvary during this last 11 and a half months, over and above our tithe? You guys, we together, have given over $212,000 to do what we're reading about right now. Come on. Man, it's good. It's good. What, what has been done with that? Well, locally... We Ginger Norman standing in front of us today. It underwrites the Dream Center and our recovery ministry. We do serve the city. We adopted a school, and God transformed the physical and spiritual atmosphere of that school this summer. We have professional women's lunch, hundreds of professional women impacted in one day. Pumps and pearls, the neediest ladies in our area are blessed and encouraged and clothed. You ladies give. Many got saved. Jesus and his friends at Christmas with our production. Hundreds of people will be saved. Hundreds of families fed. Come on, they're amazing stuff. Let's thank God for that today. We do things like this. I want to hurry real quickly. We do things like this, Pastor, because of, we're proactive, because we're in front of this. Instead of waiting for something to happen and then taking an offering and then trying to get it somewhere, we're ahead of the game. We're intentional. We're proactive. We're concentrating our efforts what about hurricane dorian are you concerned about that i'm concerned about that are we concerned about the people in bahamas that are devastated of course we are so what's being done what can we do you've already done something because we partner with convoy of hope look at this real quickly here
1: hi this is hal donaldson of convoy of hope and with your help we are aggressively responding to the disaster in the bahamas immediately after hurricane dorian hit I want you to know we had relief workers on the ground and containers filled with food water filters and emergency supplies friends i want you to know this is an urgent situation i've been to disasters all over the world and this is one of the hardest hit i've ever seen we we were one of the few organizations who are given permission to fly loads of emergency supplies right into the hardest hit areas and thus far we've delivered 30 plane loads that means to date we have distributed more than hundred thousand meals along with clean water, tarps, ready-to-eat food items, hygiene kits, diapers, generators, and more. But please understand, this is just the beginning. In disasters like this, dehydration and disease become major concerns. But with your help, we count on us to be there in the Bahamas over the long haul. Long after the news cameras have stopped rolling, we're going to be there meeting needs and helping people put their lives back together. So thank you so much for your trust and your support. Thank you for your compassion and your love for the people of the Bahamas.
0: The largest Christian disaster response ministry on the planet. Always one of the first ones there. You're doing that, Calvary family. Project Rescue, we're a part of. Project Rescue was a groundbreaking ministry Addressing a topic no one had heard much about when they started. Human sex trafficking. You hadn't hadn't heard anything about it. It was one of the dirty secrets of our modern day. The sex slavery. Human trafficking. Very few people had ever done anything about it. Many years ago, Dave Grant began to raise this up in India and the surrounding nation. It's absolutely amazing what he's done. Project Rescue. We're partners with that. I got a big announcement for us today. Guess what? Next Sunday right here at calvary david grant the founder of project rescue is going to be here to say thank you and let us know what god is doing come on can't wait for that awesome next sunday he's going to be with us listen i could go go on and on i have so many things here that i want to show you i don't want to uh there's just a lot to see and a lot to know i'm going to give you some more next week uh let me say this because we're reaching a critical moment uh Put these, the slides up. Would you do that? Uh, I want to show you something. One of the things that we're going to work on, and I'll not give you all this today. Just look at this. In Christianity, an unreached people group, we're working hard with this this year, one of our top priorities. Watch this. Refers to an ethnic group without an indigenous. That means a church in their own language with their own leaders, okay? An ethnic group without an indigenous, self-propagating Christian church. Any nation without enough Christians To evangelize the rest of the nation is an unreached people group. We might ask ourselves are there really that many left in the world? Look at this. In Africa today, 899 million unsaved people today, 867 unreached people groups. These are our numbers, how we're responding. When you see that AG churches, our worldwide fellowship of churches we belong to, almost 70 million, we're in every one of these countries. We're putting missionaries there. Look, Asia Pacific, 880 million unsaved, 1,084 unreached groups. Let me go back here. Europe, 517 million unsaved, 1,034 unreached people groups. Eurasia today, 2.6 billion, billion unsaved, 4,191 unreached people groups. Latin American Caribbean, 543 million. There are, uh, we have over 27 million of our constituents there. We've had great revival in those areas. There are 584 unreached people groups. In North America, where we live, America and Canada, are you with me? Are you with me? This is where we live. 273.21 million unsaved people in America and Canada. 267 unreached groups in North America. All right, we go over here, North Asia, look at this. billion unsaved. 467 people groups unreached. We can't give you the rest of the figures. You know why? Because that's China. Those are communist nations where it's restricted. Here's what I want to say. How thankful are we today that we are not sitting here doing nothing about this? How thankful are we today? How are we going to reach 6 billion unsaved people on this planet? 6 billion. Pastor, what what can we do? I'm overwhelmed with that. Uh, Can can we do anything? I'm not overwhelmed with 6 billion people. I'm overwhelmed with the God who loves 6 billion unsaved people. I'm not overwhelmed with how big the task is. I'm overwhelmed with the God who lets us be part of the task. Amen? I've told you before, it's like the little boy. It's germane to this state, but it's not where the name comes from. But there's a, a phenomenon that occurs every once in a while where millions of starfish are washed up on the shores of beaches. They have no way to, to move themselves around. They have no legs. They float. And so they're stranded and dying by the millions on the beaches. And true story, one day, a man's walking along the beach looking at this. By the way, that, that's called the Crimson Tide. But it's not where you got your name. Okay? So he's walking along. Millions of these things laying there dying. And a little boy's walking along, picking them up, throwing them back in the water. Picking them up, throwing them back in the water. He says, son, You might as well stop. What difference are you going to make? There are millions. They're going to die before you get there. Son, you're wasting your time. What difference does it make? He had one in his hand. And he looked at that man, and he threw it back in the ocean. He says, for him, it makes all the difference in the world. Here's what I know. I don't think we'll reach 6 billion people out of this church. But I know this. We're going to do our part. And you know why? Because We're generous. Because we're compassionate. Because we met the God who looked beyond our faults and saw our needs. Anybody you will have with me in this room. Because it's a privilege. It's a joy. God. You have made a way. It's amazing where we sit here in North Alabama and have the joy of partnering with ministries that are going around the world. I'll show you next week. We have other. I have videos. I just don't have time to show you. Young men and women out of our church who are on the mission field today. We're linked with them. We have Presley and Thea Watson who are here going as missionary evangelists around the world. We have them right here in our church family. We're sending them around the world. We have people on every continent. We don't do it by ourselves. We're just a small part of a big family but Calvary. Someday we're going to stand before God Almighty and I'm going to tell you something. You're going to walk through heaven and you think the thing that's going to be good are streets of gold and mansions. I'm going to tell you there's something that makes gold look like dust and mansions look like shacks. It's when people you've never seen you've never known, you've never met you've never heard will come up to you in heaven weeping and crying and say I want to say thank you I was in a village dying and you sent a missionary to me and I heard the gospel see kingdom builders is like a seed for everything we do to help it goes a thousand times beyond, you can't imagine one person gets saved, they're called in the ministry, they start a church and another 300 people get saved and their families come the Christ and it goes down the road and I'm going to tell you that's who we are and that's what God called us to do and it's the joy we have. Stand with me. I want our musicians to come. Come on, stand. We're going to pray an important prayer right now. How many are thankful that God took the stingy gene out of you and put generosity down deep inside your heart? Come on, let's say amen to that. Thank you God. How many are thankful we live bigger than ourselves? That we're connected to something that's the most important Issue on the planet. Man, I'm thankful. Kingdom Builders, thank you. Our musicians to come and listen to me closely. On the first Sunday of October, we'll have a chance to respond to God, what am I going to do next year? Let me help you with something. Let me give you three words very quickly. We'll talk about this some more. Pastor, what do you, how do I give the Kingdom Builders? I've never done anything like this. What do I do? Well, here's what we understand. The Bible talks about tithe and offering this isn't our tithe, it's an offering it's it's above the tithe if you're not tithing yet start there, maybe next year you can do this, but the tithe comes first and then the offering how do I decide what I give, let me give you three words, plan, vision, dream plan, vision, dream, plan vision, dream, where do I start well, I guess you would start just like you would decide to make any financial decision you sit down and you look at your finances you say, what can we afford what can we do if we shift this or move this or if we got this, so it's just what can we do? It's just like you buy something, and you make a bill. What could I do? That's a plan. Then you work the plan. That's where you start. It. What could I do? Everybody can do something. How do we how do we get to where we need to go? Can I tell you the two hundred and twelve thousand? I gotta be honest with you. Somebody said, Pastor, have we given it all away? Well, we've given two hundred and twenty two thousand away. So we're ten thousand in the hole, but it's all good. Okay. So he, we it's not sitting in the bank. It's it's there doing what it's supposed to do so pastor how do we do that well if everybody just says God help me with this plan maybe I don't know it could be five dollars a month all you can do maybe it's 50 maybe it's 200 that's I don't know that's plan make a plan work the plan listen the next thing is vision vision is where faith comes involved faith comes involved what does that mean well it's where you don't just see what you can do you you're praying and you say God, what do you want me to do? That's where God gets in the plan. See where it's bigger than you. Does that make sense? That's called faith, vision. God, you're praying. I can't tell you what to do. I wouldn't think to. You and God have to do this. That's why we don't pressure you and say, okay, do it right now. I'm giving you weeks to pray and think about this. No gimmicks, no games. I want you to learn to hear the voice of God. God, what would you do? What if God got in this? What would God do? That's the vision. If If you do that, well, that's a faith step based on obedience to God. It's not random. What did God want you to do? What could God do if he got involved? Then the last thing's dream. Listen, the dream part, let me help you. Don't tell anybody about this. Don't turn it in the first Sunday of October. So really? Yeah. That Sunday is dream or vision. I mean, it's plan or vision. So what's dream? Oh, dream. <laughs> Dreams you can't tell anybody. Because they give you the side eye look. You understand what I'm saying? If you text somebody that, they'd send you the side eye emoji back and say, really? You're crazy. So what's a dream? Well, a dream is where you get along with God and, and nobody needs to know it's just you and God. And you're saying, oh God, if I could do anything for you, I wanted to. This would be it. You got me? That's a dream. Is it good to do that? You better believe it in. He's the God who gives dreams and makes them come through. You understand? You don't write that down. That's between you and God. But I'm going to tell you, you start the plan, you work that vision, sometimes the dreams happen. Like, what would a dream be? God, what if, what if I, what if me and my finger, what if I could build a whole orphanage? Well, God, what if you could use me to uh, build a home for those ladies that are being rescued out of human trafficking? What a dream. Wouldn't that be a dream come true? Would that be a dream for me? What about you? God, what if? See, that's a dream. Please dream. Don't tell anybody about it, but please dream. Would you and God sit down and dream together? Write it down. Don't tell anybody. People that aren't Christians, they'll call people on you. They'll ask you to go get counseling. I'm not saying do anything. I'm saying dream. You're with me? But If you don't dream, you never see what happened. I had a man talk to me Wednesday night. I believe it because I know the man. He's a pastor. I'm working hard. I believe God's given me a plan to become a millionaire. I said, wow! So that's awesome. He said, you know, Pastor, I want to do this because I want to give to God. He's got, he's got some dreams, and he's working on them. And he's got some plans. It's not just sitting around throwing darts. I wish I was a millionaire. No, he's working. You with me? He's working. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.